This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to It's a Crime. I'm Linda, and today we're going to be talking about the cleanup of a murder scene at the Stoke residence on January 27, 2020 by Letitia. I'm taking the info directly from the affidavit and showing you in a timeline just what happened that afternoon and evening of Gannon's murder. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button and hit that notification bell. Click the like button and also click the share button and share it where you can. With that being said, let's get into it. So today in part three, we're going to focus in on the murder scene, which is Gannon's bedroom. We'll also focus in on how Letitia sure was a busy little beaver that afternoon. I'm going to show you the timeline after she enters the home. I'll probably do a separate video again on the driveway, but for now, let's just focus in on Tisha, unfortunately. So first, I'm going to give you a little description of the house. And in the affidavit on 110, it says, By way of background, the residence located at 6627 Mandan Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado, is a ranch-style single-family home, approximately 2,500 square feet with a two-car attached garage. There are four bedrooms and three bathrooms in the residence. Two of those bedrooms are in the basement, including Gannon's. Next to Gannon's room, there is an unfinished utility room, and on the other side of the basement, another bedroom and a bathroom. There is a staircase with a small landing that allows access from the main level to the basement, and the garage is accessible from inside the residence. On 111, it says, the Blue Star reagent was applied to Gannon's bedroom, the hallway leading to the utility room from his bedroom, the utility room itself, the staircase and landing leading upstairs from the utility room, the pathway to the garage from the stairs, and the garage area itself. In all of these areas, investigators found positive results for the likely presence of blood. It also says she straightened up signs of disturbances in Gannon's room and cleaned up the utility room. Investigators recovering cleaning supplies such as carpet brushes, which contained suspected carpet fibers. I submit that Letitia did in fact clean something up, but it was the murder scene of Gannon. Now let's get into the timeline. On 2.19 p.m., the Nissan Frontier backs up into the driveway and Tisha gets out and storms into the house, in my opinion. Now I do have a portion of her ADT log and something to note that there is a 10 minute gap, 11 minute gap from 2.19 p.m. to when she goes into the house at 2.30 p.m. So we aren't sure what happens in that 10 minute window. So I just wanna make that note. We also don't see on the ADT log of her disarming the home and entering. I do wonder though if there is a video from the ring camera of Tisha coming into the door or both Letitia and Gannon, or maybe it was deleted. So 10 minutes is unaccounted for from our end with the limited info that we have. And of course, we're gonna get more info as it, we go along and the discovery comes out. Now from 2.30 to 3.30 p.m., there is a lot of activity in the house. 
She goes up and down the stairs so many times and opens the door and closes the door, according to the affidavit, 10 times in that hour. So let's get into the ADT log. It's important to note that this log starts at the bottom right-hand corner. You'll see that's at 2.30 p.m. And then we'll go up and then we'll go across to the left. So it follows in chronological order. I did scratch out the spots where it's set to no motion, which means that there's no activity, just so you don't get confused and I don't get confused. So starting at the bottom right corner, the back door is set to close. Again, we don't have that 10 minute window from 2.19 p.m. to 2.30 as to what happened and what time the door actually was opened or if the alarm was on when it was deactivated. So at 2.30 p.m., this back door is closed. The living room shows some movement two minutes later and then the back door opens again and then is set to close. Now where I have this rectangle around the door closing and opening, there is a six minute window. And so she is perhaps in the garage at this point in those six minutes, but she's definitely not inside the house. So there's that six minute window and then 2.38 it closes again, sorry, it opens and then closes again. She walks into the living room at the same minute, goes down to the basement, then comes up back into the living room. And then here again where this rectangle is, there is a living room detector that is set to no motion. You'll see it right underneath that yellow. And she is in the living room, but it is shown in the affidavit that she actually unlocks her phone at this point. So there's no movement. All I'm guessing, okay, this is a guess, is that she's sitting in the room with her phone because she doesn't go anywhere else. She's in the living room unlocking her phone and she's doing this for three minutes because then the living room detects movement again and she goes back down into the basement. Then she comes up to the living room and goes out the back door. And that's at 2.52 p.m. Then here is where this is super interesting because all of a sudden now the basement has motion in it. And there's no mention of a living room and there's no mention of a door being open. Now what's important to note is that because this back door was set to close, she could still be in the house, but then the basement motion detector happens which means there's no living room movement to go down the stairs into the basement. So there's two things that could be happening. Somebody is in the basement, namely Gannon, or there is an activity that was actually deleted from this log by her. Or she somehow was outside and came through a window or something crazy. I know that's crazy. I might be too crazy, uh, and then went through this basement to, to prove somebody else is there or something. I don't know, but there is something missing from this, but it is within the same minute. I would think that the living room would be detected, but it doesn't show here. So the basement motion detector goes off at 2.52 p.m. And then back up the stairs at 2.55 p.m. is the living room. And then back in the basement, a minute later. Now let's go back just to this little piece at 2.45 p.m. when she unlocks her phone. 
It was locked since the morning, like a half an hour or more before she actually left the house with Gannon in the truck. And so when she gets back, there's still a 25 minute period that she doesn't even check her messages. And another thing to note, she was on Facebook for like hours and hours and hours in those last three days. Now all of a sudden she leaves her phone at home and a half an hour before she even leaves and then goes through the whole day and comes back at 2.20 and then doesn't check her phone until 2.45. So I want to mention that because that is important. And in the affidavit on number 44, it says, Letitia has been without her cell phone for hours, yet her screen was not unlocked until approximately 14.45 hours, which was 25 minutes after arriving back at the residence. During that 25 minute period, there is motion activity both upstairs and downstairs on the ADT records. So she's a busy beaver for a solid 25 minutes, according to the log that I have. With that exception of that six minute window in the garage and the three minutes sitting in the living room on her phone, there has to be a point in there that she actually murdered Gannon, right? According to the affidavit, it says she likely came home with them. So then was it that 10 minute window that we don't see on the log that he comes home, goes down to the basement, maybe to lie down because he wasn't feeling good or what happened. And in that 10 minute window, she comes unglued on him. So if we do use that theory that he likely came home, did she kill Gannon between 2.20 and 2.30 PM? Could it have been those first 10 minutes? It could have been. These are some questions to think about, right? Because in that next hour, or for sure the half an hour that we have in the ADT log, she's going up and down like a crazy banshee, right? And the other thing to note is when could she have cleaned up anything within that first half an hour of running up and down? It's almost to the minute. Every minute she goes up and down except for those two windows that I explained. And in the affidavit, it says that the doors opened and closed 10 times within that hour. And they said typically it closes three and a half times. Now I showed you four times in the ADT screenshot that the door was open and closed. She did this six more times in the next half an hour, according to the affidavit. So it's too bad that we don't have those other screenshots yet. So back to the affidavit, it says, during that time, the back door of the residence located on the main level was open and closed 10 times. It also says on number 98, the logs from ADT indicate significant activity in the basement of the residence where evidence suggests Gannon was murdered. For example, between January 23rd, 2020 and January 26, 2020, and the hours of 1500 to 1700, the average number of basement motion events was 3.5. On January 27, 2020, the average number of basement motions events was 10.3. A possible scenario for the increase in activity is that Letitia was going upstairs and downstairs in order to get cleaning supplies and cleaning the murder scene. And so maybe that's what she was doing every minute, grabbing the sheets, stripping the bed down, cutting the carpet, gathering supplies, we don't know. She went up and down those stairs and in and out of the garage so many times in that one hour. 
So there is that six minute window at 2.32 where she opens the door and closes it. So she's out of the house and because at 2.38 she opens the door and closes it. So maybe at this point is where she actually backs her car into the garage. What else would she be doing in the garage at this point? Well, she could be doing many things, but maybe possibly she could have backed her car in at this point. We just don't know that 10 minute window between 2.19 and 2.30. Did she kill Gannon that quick as soon as she got home and spent those six minutes in the garage and took him up there? That's pretty quick in those logs. Or was she looking for something? Or did she in fact back her car up into the garage? So she's super, super busy at this time. And by 3.11 p.m., Lena comes home from school, but Letitia tells her that Gannon is in her room sleeping and for her to go play outside. She's in the house though until 3.28 p.m. according to the affidavit. And she is seen riding her bike outside at 3.30 p.m. But check out the affidavit and what it says. Investigators did observe Lena arrive home on the school bus at or about 1511 hours, observed her enter the residence and observed her riding her bike at or about 1530 hours. Lena stated that when she returned home, Letitia told her Gannon was asleep in her bed and that she could not see him. Letitia told Lena to go outside and play. I submit that Lena was sent outside because Gannon was likely dead and Letitia was cleaning up blood from inside the house. Now it also says specifically exterior video footage revealed that Lena was riding her bike outside between approximately 1530 and 1542. Furthermore, the front door of the residence opened and closed at 1528 hours based on data from ADT security system discussed more below. Now, Lena was observed on her bike, as it says, at 3.30 p.m. to 3.42 p.m. What did she do inside from 3.11 p.m. to 3.30 p.m.? Maybe she was hungry and had a snack. A lot of kids that come home from school have snacks. Lots of kids do. Now, did she allow her to go in the house? Clearly, it says in this affidavit that she didn't go out till 1528 hours so from 1511 to 1528, she would have been in the house. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. So that's all we have to go on so far from the affidavit. Now, at around 3.41 p.m., the same time Lena was seen riding her bike, that 15.30 to 15.42 mark, Letitia makes a phone call and sends numerous text messages to Al and Harley. At 3.41 p.m., 342, 343, 344, 345. Then there is a 25-minute gap, and at around 4.11, there is another one, uh, there is another message. Then there is an 8-minute gap, and then at 4.19, another message, and 4.20, another message. It doesn't state, though, what time the phone call is made, 
perhaps it was in that 25 minute window or the eight minute window gap, but we don't know any more information on that. And here is what the affidavit actually said. During this time period, Letitia had phone activity to include an outgoing phone call and numerous iMessages, text messages using an iPhone, to Mr. Stouk and Harley, namely to discuss purchasing a new set of headphones for Albert. These text messages occurred at the following times, 1541, 1542, 1543, 1544, 1545, 1611, 1619, and 1620. So to recap that last hour, she was super busy running up and down those stairs and to the garage for sure from 2.30 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. And she had the garage door open and closed six more times by 3.30, so a total of 10 times in that hour. And in my opinion, it's highly doubtful she could be cleaning or doing a very good job of cleaning during this time because of all the running around minute to minute that she's doing. And so almost every minute is spent running around that house and into the garage. Then between 3.30 and 4.30 p.m., she spends her time making a phone call and making text messages. Now, unless that 25-minute gap was spent actually cleaning and that eight-minute gap, but one of them had to be the phone call according to what the affidavit says. There's still not a whole lot of time at this point to do a thorough cleaning. Would you agree? Let me know in the comments below. Now, Harley is about to come home after 4.30, and she certainly wouldn't have time, in my opinion, to finish her cleaning, I don't think. So at 4.42 p.m., Harley comes home from work. And of course, Letitia's not even close to being done, so she sends Harley and Lena to the dollar store. So they go to the dollar store, and Letitia texts Harley at 4.52 p.m. saying, carpet powders, two things baking soda, trash bags. So Harley takes Lena and they go in their Jetta and they run to the store, which is about 10 minutes away is the nearest dollar stores according to Google Maps. And she gets there at about 4.52 p.m. And by 5.14, she checks out. So here's what it says in the affidavit. It says Letitia's text, carpet powder, two things, baking soda, trash bags. Number 74 says, also included in this dollar store purchase was baby oil, baby lotion, cotton rounds, and bubble gum. Investigators do not believe these other items were involved in the cleaning of the murder scene and likely have no investigative value at this point. Number 75 says, I know from personal experience that baking, soda, and vinegar are common household items that can be used to clean blood. Additionally, I conducted open source internet searches that revealed vinegar is one of the most common items used to clean blood stains and that when baking soda is applied to blood stains prior to vinegar, it has an efficient effect in removing blood stains. Number 76, while the purchase of the items such as vinegar and baking soda are common and in no sense illegal on their own, the timing of this purchase of these items and Gannon's suspected murder are beyond coincidental. Now, something to note, in this one text, Letitia says carpet powder, two things, baking soda and trash bags, but it was also noted that she bought vinegar. It's just not in this text. So I'm wondering if she verbally said that to Harley when she went, or maybe there's another text that we missed. And I'd love to see this conversation prior 
to this message prior to her texting Harley? Does Letitia say, run to the store, I'll text you what I need because she's panicking? Or what happens, right? So Harley goes and buys these items plus the vinegar and also buys baby oil, baby lotion, cotton rounds, and bubble gum. And in the affidavit, it says, number 48, at or about 16.52 hours on January 27, 2020, Letitia sent a text message to Harley requesting carpet cleaner, trash bags, and baking soda. These items were likely used to clean up the murder scene. Harley purchased these items and investigators located a receipt documenting the purchase. Harley Hunt has refused to speak with investigators. That's in number 48. And I will put the affidavit below if you'd like to have a whole read of it. So it takes Harley round trip from leaving the house to going to the dollar store and back about 45 minutes. And she gets home by around 5.25, 5.30 p.m. And of course, Letitia needs these supplies to clean up, right? So she now only has 45 minutes to clean this murder scene until she makes a phone call to the authorities about Gannon being a missing runaway. Another thing to note, the receipt of the cleaning supplies were actually found in Letitia's Tiguan, not in the Jetta, not in the home, not anywhere, but in her Tiguan. So Letitia took it into her car. Why would she keep the receipt? Weird, right? So let's move on to the murder scene and talk about what it's all about, even though it's difficult. In the affidavit number 25, it says, Investigators believe that Gannon was murdered by Letitia Stouck in the afternoon hours after approximately 14-14 hours of January 27, 2020 at his residence and more specifically in his bedroom. Physical evidence recovered from the residence and inside Gannon's bedroom supports that a violent event occurred in his bedroom which caused bloodshed including blood spatter on the walls and enough blood loss to stain his mattress, soak through the carpet, the carpet pad, and stain the concrete below his bed. So there is blood that is seeped into the carpet, goes through the carpet pad, and stains the actual concrete. And there is 50 droplets of blood found on the walls near Gannon's bed. And his mattress is also stained with blood. And so in the affidavit on number 112, it says, specifically in Gannon's bedroom, in a corner of the room, investigators located an area where suspected blood had seeped through the carpet, through the pad and stained the concrete. Furthermore, there was also blood stain and projected blood spatter located on the walls in this area. Indeed, over 50 droplets of suspected blood were found on the walls near Gannon's bed. Crime scene investigators also suspected someone attempted to clean the walls based on the way the Blue Star reagent reacted on the wall. Number 113 says, Gannon's mattress was also seized and contains a red stain consistent with blood in the same area as the stain on the carpet and the blood cast off on the walls. The stains on the mattress were swabbed but were not tested with Blue Star reagent. The laboratory results have not yet been returned, but because other blood in the area was determined to be Gannon's blood, investigators suspect the blood on the mattress is also Gannon's blood. Something of note is also that Gannon's bed was moved. Letitia took a photo of Gannon that morning before they left of him in his bed with the Nintendo Switch beside his head. And by Monday night, 
authorities said that on their body cam, the bed was different and the bedding was different. And in number 55 in the affidavit, it says, another photo was recovered from Letitia's cell phone that shows his bed was not pushed directly against the wall by the head of the bed. This photo articulates the ability for blood to get onto the walls and floor in the corner of the bedroom. Mr. Stoke stated the positioning of the bed is unusual and the bed is usually pushed against the wall. Now in number 54 of the affidavit, it talks about the photos that they included in this and they show that there is two different positions. It's really hard to see the pictures, but this is what they're discussing and in 54A it says the placement of Gannon's bed is in the immediate location where his blood based on DNA profile results was found on the wall, the carpet and on the concrete below the carpet. These details are discussed below and a large volume of blood appears to have been in the area. 54B says, for the purposes of comparison between the images, it appears that although the sheet may or may not be the same, the blankets are different and the pillowcase, if not the whole pillow, is different. I submit that a logical explanation for the missing bedding is that they were likely saturated in blood after Gannon's murder and were removed by Letitia to clean up the murder scene. Furthermore, investigators were unable to locate the bedding in the Stoke residence during any of approximately five searches of the residence. Yeah, because she got rid of it. So now she has a 45 minute window to clean on her own as the girls are at the dollar store. And where is Gannon at this point? Has she hidden him already? Most likely, you would think if the girls are coming home, but the clock is ticking, right? And I hate to talk about this, but rigor mortis would be setting in. And it takes an average of two to four hours and sometimes as little as one hour and sometimes as long as six hours. And if we're at 4.30 or almost 5.20 by the time the girls come home, then he would be approximately deceased for three hours if she killed him as soon as they got home. So in order to put him somewhere before this sets in, maybe a suitcase like was discussed, she'd have to do that right away and then carry him up those stairs. So stay tuned for that video on him coming home that afternoon versus not. In number 114 in the affidavit, it says, I have included several crime scene photographs that include the wall next to Gannon's bed and the carpet and carpet pad that was removed by investigators to expose the concrete below. Based on the orientation of Gannon's bed, the vast majority of the blood would be in line with the position of his head and torso and consistent with the stain of the mattress displayed above. Number 115 says, I submit that the blood located in Gannon's room appears to have been cleaned up based on residual blood re residue on the baseboards, an electrical outlet cover, and the blood that soaked through the carpet. DNA laboratory testing has confirmed it was indeed Gannon's blood and Gannon's body has not been found, reasonably indicating this was likely the scene of Gannon's murder. 116 says investigators have requested but have not yet received a report from Tom Griffin, who is an International Association for Identification Certified Senior Crime Scene Analyst, a blood stain pattern analyst, and a crime scene reconstructionist. Mr. Griffin 
examined the blood spatter on Gannon's walls. Mr. Griffin preliminarily reported that the stains on the walls are consistent with one or more blood spatter producing events, which could include gunshot, blunt force, or a stabbing. Mr. Griffin did not believe the blood stains were aspirated blood, primarily due to the lack of air bubbles in the stains. Furthermore, the shape of the stains were affected by the surface texture of the drywall itself. The final report from Mr. Griffin has not yet been received and is pending a peer review. Number 117 says, trace evidence swabs of suspected blood were obtained from the electrical socket next to Gannon's bed. These swabs revealed the blood was indeed Gannon's blood based on DNA profile testing. The electrical socket also has evidence of streak marks, which are reasonably suspected to be from Letitia's attempted cleaning. When investigators removed the outlet cover, a visible red stain was present outlining its edges. The presence of this stain tends to support that there was enough blood around the outlet cover to seep around its edges, leaving a visible outline. Well, now it's 5.30 p.m. and Harley and Lena are back with the supplies. The kids are probably hungry at this point and how are you going to explain that you can't come in the house to eat? So, they're in the house presumably, right? They have to hand off the supplies. And Letitia now has just under an hour and a half before she calls the authorities because she calls the authorities at 6.55 p.m. And the detective says in the affidavit that with acquiring the cleaning supplies, she'd most likely be doing it after 5.30 p.m., right? She's waiting for the supplies to and scrub the concrete. This is what it says, 118 in the affidavit. I have also included a photograph of the suspected blood stain in the concrete located in the corner of the bedroom where Gannon's bed was positioned. This stain is also visible in the photo depicting the suspected blood spatter on the walls. The carpet above the stain in the concrete was clean and investigators suspect Letitia cleaned the area based on carpet fibers on the scrub brushes, the acquisition of carpet cleaning supplies, vinegar, and baking soda. 6627 Mandon Drive was a new construction build and the Stoke family was the only family to reside in this residence. 119, it says on January 29, 2020, investigators recovered a piece of carpet from the utility room with possible blood stains. The recovery of this carpet tends to further support the positive alerts from the Blue Star reagent in the utility room. The Metro Crime Lab reported the substance tested presumptively positive for the presence of blood, but was unable to develop a DNA profile. Number 120 says on January 29, 2020, investigators found in the dishwasher multiple carpet brushes with suspected carpet fibers on them and the dishwasher appeared to have been run. Investigators believe these brushes were used to clean up the murder scene. To be clear, no formal testing was completed to confirm the fiber brushes on the brushes were carpet. 121 says investigators also located an empty gallon-sized container of vinegar within the residence. Mr. Stoke believed there was approximately half the container left before he left for Oklahoma on January 25th. As mentioned above, additional vinegar was purchased on January 27th, 2020. So now at 6.54 p.m., she Googles El Paso County Sheriff's Office phone number, and at 6.55, she gives them the call. A few hours later, the cops arrive at around 10 p.m. I believe it is actually 10.09 p.m. that they arrive. 
And in 122 in the affidavit, it says EPSO deputies that responded to the Stoke home on January 27, 2020 did not notice the blood stains in Gannon's bedroom. And it should be noted the initial report was that Gannon had left home and had not returned. As additional information was developed, more forensic searches of Gannon's room were conducted, which revealed the aforementioned evidence. There was small traces of blood found in the depressions of the drywall and paint texture that Letitia failed to remove when she cleaned the murder scene. Now the VW Tiguan was found backed into the garage. And my natural question, as it is probably yours, is when did she back that vehicle into the garage like we discussed earlier? Was it that six minute window that I showed you? Or could it be that 45 minute window when Harley left with Lena. And in number 52 of the affidavit, it says, from the BWC, I learned the Volkswagen Tiguan, known to be leased and utilized by Letitia, was backed into the garage when EPSO was at the residence. The position of the Tiguan in the garage is significant, specifically because of the confirmed presence of Gannon's blood in the garage below the area where the rear hatch of the Tiguan would be, and the positive reaction of Blue Star reagent, indicating likely presence of blood on the Tiguan's rear bumper. And in this next section, they're talking about the Metro Crime Laboratory and taking samples. And it said in 126A that there was a piece taken from the carpet found inside a carpet roll in the utility room. And it says, found to be mixture of three contributors, at least one of which is male. A DNA profile was not suitable for comparison due to the number of contributors and the complexity of the mixture. In letter E, it says that it was taken from the carpet at the base of the garage stairs, and it says a DNA profile could not be de developed but tested presumptively positive for the presence of blood. Letter F was taken from the bloodstained carpet fibers in Gannon's bedroom, and it says a DNA profile was obtained from the blood and matches the DNA profile of Gannon's stoke. Letter G is it was taken from the corner of Gannon's bedroom on the carpet pad by his bed, and it says a DNA profile from the blood stain matches Gannon's stoke. In letter H, it was taken from the electrical outlet cover in Gannon's bedroom by his bed, and it says a DNA profile from blood stain is a mixture of two individuals, at least one of which was male. The major profile matches the DNA profile of Gannon Stoke. Letter I says it was taken from the electrical socket in Gannon's bedroom by his bed, and it says a DNA profile was obtained from the blood and matches the DNA profile of Gannon Stoke. So one was outlet and one was socket. And letter J, taken from the back side of the carpet in Gannon's bedroom near his bed, a DNA profile was obtained from the blood and matches the DNA profile of Gannon Stoke. And letter K says it was taken from the blood stain on top of the foam from the carpet in Gannon's bedroom. And, the, and it says a DNA profile was obtained from the blood and matches the DNA profile of Gannon Stoke. Letter M was taken from a teal couch pillow in the basement of the Stoke residence. And it said it was found to be presumptive positive for the presence of blood, but no DNA profile was able to be developed. What are your thoughts now that you see the timeline between 2.30 p.m. till the evening when she called the authorities? If Gannon did come home that afternoon, like they said he likely did, 
when would she have killed him in your thoughts or what are your thoughts? Let me know in the comments below. Was it that first 10 minutes that he was home and then at 2.30 p.m. she started running all over the house, down the stairs, in the bedroom and back up, opening and closing the door numerous times? After that 3.10 mark where Lena comes home and then goes out, she hops on her phone, she does a bunch of text messages, she makes a phone call, and she even had Lena in the house, according to the affidavit, for a good 20 minutes. Letitia sends her outside, and then an hour later, Harley came home. So she then sends Harley and Lena to the dollar store to go get supplies, and she has that 45-minute window. And then they come home, and now she has to pretend to start getting worried about Gannon because she has to fake a runaway and fake that he didn't come home because he was playing at a friend's house. And then at 6.55 p.m., she reports him as a runaway. Meanwhile, in this window, she has to take Gannon's sheets off of the bed, get rid of them, add new sheets on to the bed and a new pillow or pillowcase. She has to cut the carpet out. She has to scrub the concrete. She has to scrub the walls of those 50 pieces of splatter. She has to move the bed into a different position and she has to move Gannon and put him somewhere safe so the authorities don't see him. And she has to also bring him up the stairs and put him in a good hiding spot, maybe the Tiguan, like we're thinking, and the affidavit even says they think she loaded him into that car. And all this, and do a good job of cleaning those spots, right? And as I said, she would have to move him right away, otherwise rigor mortis sets in and then she'd have a whole other complications to figure out, potentially. She does, though, have a good set of time at nighttime between 6.55 p.m. and 10 p.m. when, or just after 10 p.m., when the authorities arrive. So maybe she gets a pretty good chance to double-check her work. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Let's have a chit-chat. Stay tuned for another video on this affidavit. There's more coming. Also, just a little tidbit as people are getting super upset at me about the 955 mile video, I'm going to be addressing it when I get more information. And it's not that I don't want to, but right now I want to address the affidavit and then I will address that video. So don't be upset. There's nothing to be upset about. I took the evidence that we were given, that 955 mile receipt, okay? So that was the budget receipt. I took that, I didn't make that up in my head. I saw the receipt and I did that. So please stop getting mad. There's no use to getting mad. It's not about me being right or wrong. It's me taking what I was given just like you guys were given. I don't have the insider information, so we're going on what was given in an article. Okay? Keep it classy. So please let me know your thoughts. Let's have that chit chat. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Give it a like if you support this video and want more of the affidavit. And don't forget to share this out where you can. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.